welcome to the YBMB show, uh, the show that we run live Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And uh, on Mondays, we do business. Those of you who follow us now and uh, a number of you do. So thank you for that. On Mondays, sorry, we do body. On Wednesdays, we do mindset and Fridays we talk about business. And sometimes I'm lucky enough to have um, a guest and I've got a lovely guest with me today, Penny Power OBE. So thank you, Penny, so much for joining us. Oh, oh, you're welcome. I'm so excited to be here. I'm absolutely loving what you're doing. So I feel really privileged. Well, I'm really pleased to, to have Penny and you'll see a bit later that she's got some fantastic um, perspective really on mindset relating to business. And very often, as you know, with YBMB, you know, I talk about the connection between body and mind and business. And, um, and so Penny is a great guest for this today being a mindset um, Day. I've known Penny now for a number of years. First time I saw you, Penny, you were on stage talking about digital marketing apprenticeships where you had been very instrumental in actually creating that. And I know that, um, you know, you, you were awarded your OBE for, for that amongst many other things. Um, but another really uh, amazing um, part of your career is that you were um, the first founder of uh, a, a sort of social network or a social community, even before Facebook and LinkedIn. And you were saying that Reid Hoffman, who founded LinkedIn, was actually even one of your members. And um, you were, you know, originally you were sharing the stage with, uh, with LinkedIn and Facebook. And, um, you know, you created an amazing community in the, it called eAcademy. Um, you've written a couple of books about it because uh, you, you went from sort of, you know, having that and being a real leader there to being really I suppose, you know, a series of unfortunate events, you would call it in one respect, but a, a series of sort of really amazing learning opportunities in another, because you're about to IPO and then, um, you know, the, the dot-com bubble burst about four or five days just before you're about to do that. Um, and you've written an amazing book. So um, I can see I've got it here. I've read it already cover to cover, and I just had another read of it, Business is Personal, um, where you talk about your... Um, history as an entrepreneur, the ups and downs and, and uh, you know, your advice for everybody uh, as a result of that. And before I sort of let you start speaking, I just wanted to say from my perspective, it's been um, incredibly helpful to read because there are things in it that really resonate. There's a couple of things that you said, um, you know, because I've had a lengthy business career as well. I've had business ups and downs. And I think I share with the vast majority of people listening here that, um, you know, the, the whole pandemic has been quite a challenge because obviously from a business perspective, everything changed, but it's also been an amazing opportunity. And so I think most of us will look back with, oh my God, some of that was awful, but actually some of that was great because it forced us to do things that we wouldn't have done. So yeah, there's a couple of things in the book that I'll probably read out at some stage, but tell us a little bit more for people that don't know you, if they only got to go on, on, uh, on Facebook and LinkedIn and they will find out, but tell us a bit about your business journey. Yeah, it's a great introduction here, what you've said. You're very astute about life. And it's interesting just before I do that, because in a way, I suppose I need to reverse engineer a little bit to give some context in now in this pandemic and challenges that so many people are going through. Um, and what you do is brilliant because it really is about our bodies and our mind and it's all interconnected. Um, and, um, you know, I really believe that adversity is the friend of innovation. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, it doesn't feel like it when we're in it. And I suppose my story is one of adversity, but I'm not coming at this from, say, a poor me or being a victim of it. 
in fact, now I'm now I'm out of it. You know, I look back and I have a sense of pride in how I handled things, and I think that's important when you go through adversity. Um, not an ego-driven pride, just I think actually that strengthened me as a person. So anybody who is experiencing particularly business adversity, I'm, I can't go into grief at the moment, although I've experienced that as well. Mm. Business adversity, I think you know this is when it really challenges your soul and and nothing nothing is easy and I think what I love about the way you're going to do this conversation with me is I want to create more of a normal landscape about business because I think if we start feeling normal rather than subnormal we're likely to get to exceptional better and that's really what I want to do so business is personal is a philosophy but it's where I really want to encourage people to be more personal about it in terms of the way they talk about it and know that their vulnerability isn't actually impacting their credibility at all mm. so in answer to your question well thank you yes you mentioned this thing which i think is a was a really pivotal moment in my life when i was 33 so i'm 57 now yeah. was to come up with this idea to create um, a friendship network for business owners online and at the time there was face there was um myspace and friends reunited so we all have to take ourselves back some people won't have even been born then but take us back to 1998 and there was a lot of excitement about these networks and a lot of people going around saying I've got a lottery ticket in my hand which effectively was their business card that had a www on it because they all felt that they're going to be overnight millionaires because the the dot-com boom and my husband I was at the home with three children at the time under five and whilst I'm very intrinsically love being a business person I was transitioning from a job that I left when Hannah was born when I was 29 where I was a sales marketing director of quite a large company, um, more of a corporate lifestyle, I suppose, into who am I going to be now? I'm a mum and I need that flexible life, which was very important to me. Mm. And um, so in February 98, we were sitting in a Pizza Express and I said to Thomas, who was running his own business, amazing, he's my husband, amazing networker, and always loved cutting edge technology. I said, you know, this whole internet thing is going to create a lot of loneliness. And business loneliness because you know we need we're experiencing this now remote working you know we need people and we need people because it validates us and it gives us a sense of belonging and that's a really important human need yeah. because if I feel like I have meaning to you that helps my self-esteem if I have self-esteem then I'm going to be able to achieve more I'm going to use my voice more and that's really important so we started Academy in 98 literally by putting together a platform <clears throat> and I really didn't think it was going to be a global thing okay you know because as you said there was no LinkedIn or Academy no LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter so Academy on a timeline Academy 1998 LinkedIn 2002 Facebook 2004 Twitter 2006 um, so it was a really interesting time because how do you start something that nobody else has ever done but networking wasn't a new concept and we all know you know, to me, the best networks was one that somebody explained in the town where I live. They used to say at the wine bar on a Friday night, all the local businesses used to pile in there as friends. And that's where business happened. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I love that concept. And I read Permission Marketing by Seth Godin, and it was turned strangers into friends, friends into customers. And I loved that concept. You wrote a, um, a book as well around that time. Was it called No Like Trust? Um, no, me, like me, follow me. That's right. Yeah, which is great. That was my first book. So how do I get known and liked and then followed? Yes. 
So, um, so we started Academy, but you know, it wasn't, I wasn't an entrepreneur. Okay. That's really important. Well, I think that's, that, that is such an important thing. You know, when people beat themselves up, if business doesn't go quite to plan, you know, business is such a set of skills. And I was talking yesterday about know your optics. <clears throat> what I meant by that was know your numbers. You know, if you run a business, much as people say, follow your passion, do what you love. You know, it's a bit like a pilot trying to fly a plane because they love it, but doing without the dashboard. And if you don't know how to, I'm not saying you didn't, but not business people, you know, they don't know about balance sheets and cash flow and different types of cash, where it's coming from and which is good cash and bad cash and, you know, accounts payable and all that. And they don't know about it. And when great ideas get put into a business, you can really surge it forward. But um, you've got to, you know, it's a different, I think people who go into this are very tough on themselves sometimes that uh, if things don't go quite to plan. And yeah, yeah, you wouldn't expect to be great at anything else without a bit of, you know. No, absolutely. And you're absolutely right. There are a phenomenal amount of people. It's so easy to start a business now, isn't it? So yeah. many people build it, start with passion and think that passion is going to help them bring clients. Mm. They have no idea how to market, manage and everything. So when I say that I wasn't an entrepreneur, it was more around mindset yeah. because there's a huge mindset of being this out, especially an alchemist when you're creating something from nothing. You know, if I decided I was going to be a small business and open a bakery or open a, a cafe or something like that, then there's some form of blueprint of what to do and, and some learnings, but you know, to, to be an, an alchemist as an entrepreneur is something very different and to be a trailblazing entrepreneur is something very different and it requires risk. And we did risk a huge amount. And but what happened was my intention is I love this conversation with you, Angela. I love you and I feel a connection with you and I want to have that connection with you. Yeah. When we built Academy, it suddenly became a machine. Yeah. And the very essence of the, the feeling of being connected to people got taken away, really, because suddenly I had this identity in the world of this person who founded this amazing business and was on stages with you know, very, uh, very impactful people. And I was suddenly running a machine and I was probably the loneliest person in the network because I, I was a, that classic leader that couldn't really tell anybody the truth because no, yeah. I didn't want anybody to feel vulnerable. And yeah. Thomas I think, came I think so many, so many business owners are like that actually, because yeah. think, you know, if you were to go now to um, an event where there are a load of business owners, let's say it's in the recruitment industry, and you ask people how they go, how it's all going, and they go, absolutely great, surprisingly really great, you know, everything. And yet you actually look at the stats, you know, same with estate agents, you look at the stats, it's like no one actually wants to really say, oh God, it's terrible, because we want to be boosters, we, do, we don't want to be drainers. And we also, I think, we have an inner belief that we're going to get by, you know, I'm sure you feel the same, you're going to get over hurdles anyway. And, um, I don't really think the more hurdles you encounter as a business owner or even if, you know, within a business, someone else's business, the more hurdles you encounter, the more you're able to resolve it and, and the less significant and show-stoppy they feel. So sometimes you feel like, oh, you just don't want to mention it anyway. But I think that thing you said about that feeling does sit with everybody, but um, you have different degrees of ability to hide it. And, um, and sometimes it's a good thing to do that because, you know, someone needs a sort of a positive trailblazer when things are not going quite to plan. But on the other hand, it does take its toll, as you said. And I think there's just I know you were about to say do another step. If you don't mind, I'll read one little bit out of your book that you mentioned, because I've got a few bits to read out. Oh, I was flicking through it this morning and there's so many great things in, in this book. But one of the things that you said here is um, 
you know, when you wake up and a number of things you could feel like, which will give you a signal that the business is not right anymore. And one of the things you said is when you lose the passion you had because the business is starting to be something you don't want. And I think that's more or less what you were saying there, that you suddenly realize you've created this machine. I certainly have felt that where, you know, suddenly you turn around and you've created this machine that, and it's, it's such a responsibility as well. Um, and it becomes such a challenge to, to try to keep everybody on the same page. And I know all the books tell you about culture and, but you know, you've also got to be falling in love with your client. And when you have so many clients that you don't know, then you, you lose the ability to really touch them that closely. So it's a big challenge scaling a business. I think um, not enough is said about that. Um, and businesses have a natural life, like, like a, a person, you know, they go from being a child business to a, a teenage business to an adult business to an old business mature business and finally a dying business very often so i think that's that's a lot of stuff that we probably know now that a lot many people don't when they go into business yeah absolutely and i think for me the passion i had on the 7th of february 1998 is exactly the same on this day yeah and it, it's it's my sense of purpose and passion is not changed. I, I absolutely fundamentally like to make people, help to make people connected for them to really know that they have significance, that they're heard, that they matter and help them to have the confidence to grow their business. And that, that absolute belief that I had then is exactly the same 23 years on. What, yeah. what I had to discover was the different vehicles that I could express that belief through. Um, because of that first business, it was it was such a massive hit, and you were about to IPO it, which is floated on the stock stock exchange. Just tell that little bit of that story because that's fascinating, really. And it seems crazy in one respect, but I think it's very indicative of the fact that you know business owners hit roadblocks, and it seems like it's only them, but lots of people do. Yeah, it's interesting when I reflect back on things, and I will come to that talk about that. But is what do you? need to take personal responsibility for as part of the learning that you have to take and not have that blame culture and what literally is out of your control yeah. and therefore you have to somehow find your way through it and like um, the pandemic to a certain extent well to 100% extent is out of our control and some people can do something about it and other people it's impossible and you have yeah. to be have that what well, I really like that um, positive surrender which is I'm not failed I'm just positively surrendering this experience mm. so um, back in so we started 98 the idea built the platform through 99 started to gather members in the IOD in the wine bar area and tell them about our idea of creating the IOD is the Institute of Directors for anybody that's one of those tell them our idea of, of creating an online community of which people said I could never be a friend online it's a silly idea and other people said love the idea how can we help and then the, then the community launched online and then we started having events in London and um, more and more people were coming and it was very much in the early days the dot-com people because they got it they got it and they realized that there was a lot of collaboration and a lot of stuff that could happen a lot of learning together if they joined together in our in our events and online and then this there was this whole dot-com frenzy around an ipo and we were approached by a nominated advisor type person who said look you really are right for an ipo this was about 18 months into it so we said well what would that take and really there wasn't a desire for megalomania success but we were starting to have a hungry machine that needed money 
and we had remortgaged and we'd done what we needed to do to, to get to that point. We'd brought in a seed investor um, and it seemed right to, that we were need, going to need to do that. And it was the thing, everybody was doing it. Mm. So, but you know, it, there was about nine, 10 months of preparation for that. Um, plus you have to invest massively in your business for it to be investable ready. So we had to get an office, we had to bring in more staff, we had to make things a lot more shiny. We had to get some more investors because you always have to get your more seed investors. Uh, we got a, a large um, pension company to underwrite it because they said this is something we believe in and then you're ready to go for an IPO. So in a way, you're a small team, there's only four of us trying to manage the culture, bring people in, support it. But at the same time, you're preparing a business for something really significant. And um, so we were valued and I've got the newspaper cutting, actually. Uh, the business was valued at 66 million pounds. We'd never we hadn't cut a single invoice. It all felt a bit strange to us. We were thinking this is um, really weird. I remember lying in bed with Thomas and saying, you know, here we are, we're 33, 34 years old. And actually, this is a great idea, but it's very weird to have investors in something that we've not actually made any money from yet. No, no, we're not invoicing anything. We had some sponsors and that was it. Um, and then we were 17 a days away from, so you get a countdown, 16 days away, 15, and then eventually the dot-com crash happened and last minute dot-com went out with Brent Holman and, um, um, and, and Martha Lane Fox, that went out. And then we got the phone call saying, really sorry, your IPO has been canceled because of the crash. So, you know, do we blame ourselves? Do we say that circumstance? What is the learning in that? I don't know. It, it's just a very difficult challenge to go through because we had all these costs, we had these expectations and we now had all these seed investors that were saying, you haven't IPO'd and, um, and Thomas and I at the time, we were worth 22 million pounds at that point on paper. Um, you know, that, that doesn't, that you can't fail when you've got three children mm. to sort of make you think, gosh, life's gonna, this is gonna be really significant what we can do. Yeah. Uh, not to have a yacht in Central Pay, but just it we felt good. And um, so it didn't happen. And we went from having about 650 people to, a mem to an event to about, 10 people turning up the first month the next month and they were all devastated and it devastated the dot-com world because all these people with their lottery tickets with the www it affects them as well but the transition that happened at that point were two things one was there's nothing like that to test how much you're committed to your beliefs around your business that's one very important thing if you can overcome adversity and not decide to give up at that point there's something very special inside you that believes in it the second thing is that suddenly the dot-com industry had to become proper businesses. They had to because, uh, and they had to start thinking about where is the value in my business? And, they, and, it, and it was very good that. And then actually our business started to morph our community from being the dot-com business network to a general business network. And that is the real beauty of it because mm -hmm. then you've got any walk of business coming in and that diversity was very powerful. Um, and then you continue that business and you started to get you know, good revenue and everything and you ran that for a few more years, didn't you? Yeah, so we then decided to launch subscription because actually as it grew, we started to realize, and I'm sharing this because there's some people that might be thinking about building a community. Mm. And it's, I really believe now is the age of community like no other time, but small, intimate communities. Don't, you don't have to go big. And, and so I'm going to share this because it's important it's for anybody building community. One thing that was absolutely critical to us is what's the culture of our community. And we knew that we didn't want fake. 
we knew at that time we could start to see people coming in with stupid names and so we said look first of all how are we going to organically grow from now on and how are we going to make sure we secure and keep this community safe mm -hmm. and both of those are about sustaining your business in the right way and so we introduced we were the first people to introduce a software as a service really like networking as a service you know yeah. we charged we had a subscription people signed up it was unbelievable getting that set up. So the banks weren't really familiar with that. Mm. And they paid, people were paying us on a direct debit, 10 euros, 10 pounds or 10 dollars uh, $10 a month. Yeah. And it was very powerful. And, you know, we suddenly, we had 35,000 people paying that. We suddenly had a proper business yeah. and that ran for a few years and like that. And then LinkedIn came in and Reid Hoffman had been on our, uh, and I'm not taking any credit for LinkedIn for many reasons. One, you know, I think any anybody could have come to the same conclusions that we were coming to. Um, but he came in and he, but he came in with $330 million worth of funding and a different mindset and the mindset of don't bother about that friendships, that fluffy stuff. This is about business. Yeah. And that really grabbed all the corporate people and the testosterone driven, success driven, results driven people. Yeah. And so this is just about what you do. And it became this network, whereas we were a community. Mm. It's much easier to be part of a network when you're part of a community. It takes effort because you're a yeah. citizen of it. You have to give as well as receive. And, and so then we were up against the culture divide around mm. what we believed in and what they believed in. Plus, they went free. And so now in a business business mm. world, they weren't going to necessarily get as many fake people in a corporate world. And they were mostly corporate. But then came in Facebook and then Twitter and it became harder and harder. And our whole business model started to be massively challenged. And that's another thing for, about disruption. It doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily your technology, but it can be the business model that you have. And I think that's um, one of the lessons from that is, you know, and again, hindsight's a really great thing. Well, firstly, um, it's no bad thing to lose to uh, competitors like Facebook and LinkedIn. I mean, if you're going to lose to a competitor, you know, that's a good one to go if there are good ones. Um, but also uh, to realize that what, when you start something, it's always going to morph into something else. And, uh, you know, best laid plans are still there, going to be changed. It's all, you know, we, we get taught, taught in business books, always have an exit plan in mind and all of the rest of it. But, you know, these things have to be fluid because you just don't know what's going to happen. You know, I was just teaching last night on um, the, the YBMB program, we do different levels. and. Last night was a coaching session on finance. And I always start with big picture, which is, you know, read the FT, um, find out what's going on globally, think about how that could impact your business, then bring it down and sort of start to look at what's going on in the markets and how that news is really impacting the economy, and then bring it down to your own business and sort of reconsider whether you're going to change things. So, um, you know, what goes on in the world has such an impact and you can't predict it very often. Um, but what you can do is <clears throat> learn from you know, what happened and, and move forward. But I know that, uh, I mean, people should buy your book and have a read, you know, because they, you know, I definitely feel that how you describe it, um, there's one, I won't sort of, this is a little bit where you talk about the emotional impact. I won't read it now because I don't want to, you know, make people feel sad, but you're very vulnerable, very honest about how, you know, the emotional impact. And then you go on and you talk about, there's lots of lovely titles here about, you know, getting through past problems makes you happy and knowing you're no longer broken you talk about your husband and what a rock he was because you you know added pressure really that it was both of you in this business and very often people have family businesses you're all in you know it's got to work otherwise you know you've got to start from scratch again so having been through all of that and here you are again now with a you know a lovely 
sort of new, more exclusive, I suppose, network, you call it the, the BIP100. Um, you can explain that a little bit more, but I'd love to sort of spend a bit of time talking about some of the lessons and some of the tips, because there will be people probably listening, either going through it right now or have gone through it and still licking their wounds, not quite sure what to do next. It'd be lovely to hear from you some of that stuff and tell us about BIP100 as well. Yeah, well, um, that's that's generous of you. And yeah, the book, it, it, I am very open um, because mm. I do. I've always been very open. I'm very emotionally open. And my mum told me I was too sensitive. My first boss told me I was too emotional. It's just who I am. And I think we have our personality and then we have our character traits. Mm-hmm. And what I learned was, aren't there? And, and, you know, we're all driven to a greater or a lower extent by some of them. And love and connection is, is one of the key. Things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there are parts of my personality that whether it's right or wrong, I'm, I'm not going to change that. It's why my husband loves me, why my children love me, why I love myself. So, but there are things around my character that I've had to learn, you know, around things that we can all do because we can all have the courage to change aspects of ourselves that's not serving us well. Um, You know, I was far too agreeable. I wasn't assertive enough. I didn't understand how to have boundaries in my life. I I had self-esteem and self-worth issues, you know, coming out of the academy really damaged my identity uh, and, you know, who am I now? And am I perceived now as a failure and all this stuff? These are things you can work on hugely. Mm. And, um, you know, but what I notice, I suppose the, the biggest thing that I notice and what's always driven me is this subject of business loneliness. And I just think that I, a lot of people underestimate what that is. I mean, people relate loneliness to a sadness in the, in the heart and they sort of think, well, I'm a business person. I'm above that. I don't. But business loneliness has an economic impact on us all, because if we're not really well connected to people who also speak their truth and who care about you and know that you have meaning and know that you are valued and that if you didn't turn up tomorrow, they would miss you. Then really it's a, a, a sense of well, why am I here? What was the point in this? Mm. Um, and, and if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, we've got the, do am I feeding myself? Do I feel safe? And then the third one is, do I belong to anything? And then we can raise our self-esteem, our self-worth, because we know in what way that we matter within that sense of belonging. Mm. So business loneliness really matters to me. And I think if we are lonely, in business, it has an economic impact on our business. And if there is massive business loneliness, it's having an economic impact on the country. So let me just, you know, justify why I'm saying that. So first of all, I have a, on my website, I have a health check. People can take it, it's 42 yes, no questions. And one of them is, do you feel lonely in business? Have you felt lonely in business the last 30 days? And over 50% of people consistently, pre-pandemic and during pandemic have said yes. Now, the thing is, when I've really researched into it, yes, it affects our self-worth, as I've explained, um, but it can affect our ability to grow as a person. Because if we're only hearing our own voice and believing in our own self and never having a a critical friend or the feedback from others, positive or negative, it's hard to grow. It can definitely impact our motivation and our mojo. And so it can reduce our disciplines in our lives. It can stop our focus and it can make us very... Um, very susceptible to oh that's a good idea over there I need to do that and that compare and despair world of they're doing that so I should do that they've applied for that award I should do that and it takes away that control that we should have over our own choices in our life Um, it can definitely affect our resilience and if there's one superpower we all need to have in business it's resilience I have to govern, govern resilience every day 
I have major triggers in my belief systems. And I've had psychological support on this. I'm, I've actually just booked to see an acupuncturist on Friday. I've been through so much over chronic stress over 11 years, which weren't just financial. They were loss of very close loved ones that died too young, my mum's dementia, my daughter um, being abducted and raped. So I had 11 years of chronic stress and anxiety which I didn't know I had and that's mm. important to know say that I was mentally strong but I wasn't necessarily mentally fit and that might be yeah. something you can talk about and so I still have triggers and and I know them and I and they're this 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 friend if I could call it that that says Penny you're going out of your comfort zone here and is it going to help you grow or is it actually something that's affecting you mm. and so this resilience thing is such an important subject because everybody, there isn't a single person, no matter how rich, no matter how happy, no matter how loved they are, that doesn't have things in their day that triggers them, that makes them feel something that yeah. will affect them. And um, this world of connection and where we can read so much and so much news is given to us, whether it's fake news or real news, we have to be resilient. And what I discovered, you know, if this is my car up here, in the morning, so it's a bit dirty, it's had a coffee in it, but in the morning it was already full of water. Yeah. And if I picked it up in the morning and carried it around and something else happened, it would be overflowing. Mm. And I had to learn how to reduce that and, I, and, and be more personally resilient. And a lot of that is about people having my back and people yeah. believing in me and people being a sounding board to me and people being there for when something you know, it does go, I've got somebody at the moment saying they're not going to pay an invoice. Now they've gone through, I've had the most amazing testimonials from them. And it's not that they're financially challenged either. This person is very wealthy, but they've just gone off to Florida, this person, and has decided they're just not going to bother them. Yeah. That, that triggers me. So, yeah. yeah. And I think, well, I think because like you say, they, these sorts of problems are everyday problems that we don't necessarily always talk about, them, but they're like the things that are nitpicking and, dragging us all the all the time so it'd be lovely to talk a, a bit for just the last bit on so you know how do we become more resilient I mean I've got one which um I just was reminded of when I was listening to Brené Brown the other day and she talks about you know being on the court versus being in the stands and um you know as you said we can very often we we need other people to rely on you know to to, to sort of feed us emotionally and you know someone we can share our sort of doubts and fears with but I do think that we have to draw a line sometimes in who we listen to, um, as I think you said as well, because, um, you know, if some of those people are sort of sitting there in the stands, as it were, just telling us, well, they wouldn't do this and we, should, we shouldn't have done that. And if they were doing it, they do. very. You know, I've lost count of the number of people who used to come into my office and actually tell me what I ought to be doing. And yet I think it was funny because I'm actually sitting this side of the desk, you know, and um, it's because I actually created this business that you're actually in here. So. Um, that might sound, you know, big headed or whatever, but that is the case that a lot of people sit in the stands and love to tell you what you ought to do. But what, what Brenny Brown says is if you're not in the court as well, getting your ass kicked, that's the word she uses, then I'm not interested in your opinion. And um, I think that that is, I love that, you know. And I'm completely with you. And I think it's yeah, one of the reasons one, I have one thing decided, you can really decided do. to become a business mentor, have resisted for years because... I used to have that imposter syndrome about it, but you know, I agree with you when you've been in there and you've fought the battles and you've come through them yeah. and you know what it's like to get your ass kicked, which is a great mm -hmm. expression. Um, 
So, yeah, I think um, I'm trying to think what your original question here yeah, was. Yeah, so really, I suppose if we end with a few top tips for people that if they're feeling, if they're probably sitting here going, yeah, you know, I'm going to get Penny's book and, oh, I like what they're saying and I, you know, that's how I feel, some sort of things that you've learned that well, I think it really um, help. We've talked about identity and truth, and I think that we've, if we can't be true to ourselves, then we're really in trouble. I mean, we may take it too far for ourselves to, to, to close that gap between our identity and truth and speak our truth all the time online. I'm happy to do it, okay? I've got to that, that liberated place now. I've bared all in a book. I couldn't have shared more. You know, it's like sharing my bottom on, 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 on here. You know, it's out there. So, um, so I think, but if you, so first of all, start by being true to yourself and, and it's a scary place to go to, but you know, are you really happy with the decisions you're making and do you feel in control of them? And, and happiness is really about three things. 50% of it is, am, am I in control? Am I um, a naturally happy person? 10% is the achievement of things we want in life. And then 40% is, do I feel in control of the decisions or is something else controlling me? Yeah. Um, so I think first of all, really work out because you, me, and many other people have shown how they can make a change to their yeah. lives. Yeah. And our lives are too precious to keep going along the course of, of, of unhappiness. Yeah. Some of it might be that you just need to put stronger boundaries around you in a business. And that is, a lot of it can be the type of clients you're willing to have. Yeah. So, you know, there is the demographic. You can do all this, I'm niched, and these are the sorts of things. This is what I do, and this is who I deliver it to. I now have a psychographic, which my daughter's taught me all about, because she does personal branding, of the type of person that I want to work with. Yeah. You know, and, and that makes a huge difference. And I will, uh, and I really qualify my clients very politely, but are you someone that I'm going to feel energized by? And are you going to receive my energy? And have you got that growth mindset? And, and are you capable of loving other people? I have a whole list. And if they, if they achieve that, then, then come into my life and I'm going to treat you like family. So really, lovely, actually, that you said that, because I um, teach a lot on YBNB about client avatar, but I'm usually focused on doing that from a marketing perspective so that you can get your branding message right. And, you know, and basically whether, if you want to build a huge business, then, um, you know, are you too niche, for example, or, or if you're not bothered about uh, it being that big, then you can be more niche. But I think that point that you've made there about, you know, picking and choosing ones that you really like to deal with as well. I mean, life is too short to be poor, yeah. having the strings pulled. Yeah, like, it is. And I suppose it depends how intimate your relationship is with your client. You know, yeah. I've chosen that intimacy and I take responsibility because they come into a community. I take responsibility for the experience they're going to have with the other people in the, in the yeah. community. If you're, if you're distance mentoring and you've got, you know, you've got a platform, for example, you possibly can be wider because their energy is not going to affect you. But, you know, this whole subject, which you and I learned a lot in the training world is efficacy. Yeah. And, you know, and I get my joy out of knowing what I said I will, I can do. I have, can prove that it happens. Yeah. Mm. So if I'm working with a client that isn't right, it just drains me because they're not doing the work or they're not, you're not, it's just too painful. So the system's not working and, and are not, you know, it, it's difficult if they're not coachable and you wonder sometimes what they're, what they're actually doing in your exactly. and whether you know, whether they're taking personal responsibility for where they are and, and if they take personal responsibility for where they are. What are they doing to get themselves out of it? And listen, there isn't much that sets any of us apart. Mm, no. Believe, we all have a brain. We all have life experience. We all have damaged belief systems inside us. We all have 
we're all made up very similarly. So how is it that some people experience success and happiness and no matter what setbacks, they come back to it and they find their way back to it. And what is it for the people that will, will just give in? And, 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 and I, I think, you know, probably we can end on, on one of these points because I think you're a great example of that is about gratitude for the things that you have got. And it's nothing to do with cars and houses and yachts in Saint Tropez, although obviously they're all lovely. But it's about having, you know, your loved ones around you, the love of the people that you really care about you know, your husband and your children, my families, there's people that, that you love and you care about. And at the end of the day, that's what, you know, really, really matters. And it might sound a bit cheesy, but I think more than ever people have realised that in this last year, because the people that you spent your time with and the people you care about. Um, and I think, you know, the whole process of gratitude, journaling, um, again, you know, we've all heard it, it's not rocket science, but it just makes such a difference, a bit of meditation, uh, you know some affirmations some um some gratitude diarising you just feel like so much better and everything then seems more resolvable doesn't it absolutely and and you're right we've all heard of it there's a beautiful saying to know and not to do is not yet to know and mm -hmm. and i love it to know but not to do is not yet to know and all these people that say oh meditation's not for me and journaling wouldn't help me and going out into nature wouldn't help me and improving my gut health won't help me you have no idea what superpower hides within you and yeah. until you start to really look after yourself. And, and that's why your program is so powerful. No, oh, well, yours too. Well, tell us very quickly about your BIP 100 Club and then we'll could talk to you for ages. Oh, be bless you. Time, so, so. It stands for Business is Personal 100 and yes. it's really for people that believe business is personal. A lot of the conversation you and I have had here uh, we attract people who have got a distinctive expertise, somebody who's wanting to have impact in a particular way. So not a general business owner that will just move from one business to another. It is somebody who's really found their passion and purpose, have honed their expertise. And so we've got anything from a, we've got a psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, I've got a breastfeeding expert, all the way through to a guy who invests in companies as a, an investor and he invests in wellbeing companies through to um, a project manager so it's very very diverse because and we call it the diversity of expertise the commonality of kindness and in it we have a diarized sort of like school timetable of things that happen through the week and people pop in and out of zooms and chat and get to know one another and and it really it's the culture of really kindness that that matters and it's elevating people and uh, our strap line is celebrating experts Oh, brilliant. Well, really good luck with it. I'm sure it'll be a huge success. So um, if people want to get hold of you, Penny, we'll put the link to your book um, in, in the notes. If they want to get hold of you, is it pennypower.com, is it? Or what, what's your... Yeah, pennypower.co.uk. Oh, yeah. And, um, and, and anyway, any of the LinkedIn's or anything like that. And even on, I even have my WhatsApp number on LinkedIn if people want to do that. Oh, brilliant. All right. Well, lovely to talk to you. Right. Thanks so much. Thank and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll bring you on again because there's lo lovely tips there. So, all oh, right. Bless you. Thanks for a lovely time. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>